Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. My name is Stephanie Diaz, and in season two of the Runner's Roundtable, I'll be talking to different female run coaches about their running stories and coaching philosophies. In this episode, I'm talking to coach Carrie Ann Wannett about her finish and feel good philosophy and how she's bringing runners, run crews, cheer squads, running routes, and running stores together on her Run and Race New York City website. Enjoy our conversation and thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to the Runners Roundtable podcast. We're in season two. I'm having discussions with different female run coaches. And today I am chatting with Carrie Ann Wannett of New York City. I'm so excited to have you here and to chat with you, particularly because you have something that I would like to create in Miami, which is this whole online community with the different races and kind of bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. I was actually talking to someone else recently about Miami, Miami, Florida, how it feels kind of fragmented the different run groups and the different running communities. And Mm -hmm. I often find myself kind of trying to figure out like, where are the races? What's going on? I feel like here we have probably more 5k races than anything else. And, but even then it's like, I don't necessarily know where to find them. There's no central listing for it. So I love that you've created that Mm -hmm. resource for runners, but before we get into that, (laughs) tell us about yourself and your running story. Um, so as you said, my name is Carrie Ann Wannett. I'm a runner. I live in New York City. Uh, I've been running for over 12 years now. I've completed over 45 half marathons and over 15 marathons. I think I'm closer to 20 now. Um, in addition to a bunch of other, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, 10 mile races here and there. Um I started running in June of 2012 because in February of 2012, I went to Jamaica and saw a sign for the reggae marathon. And I decided, I'm like, Hey, why don't I come back to Jamaica and run a race? So, you know, a few months after I returned from that first trip to Jamaica, which was just a vacation, I decided to start training for the reggae marathon. I decided that I should do the half because it's hot. Um, (laughs) So in, so I start, I ran the first, I actually ended up running the Hartford half in, uh, uh, 20, this was way back in 2010. And then December of 2010, I went down to Jamaica, uh, ran the reggae marathon. I actually won entry to the reggae marathon that year because I, at the New York city expo, the reggae marathon had a booth and I entered the lottery and I got entry to the race in addition to uh a hotel room which was you know i was already planning on going so it was just an additional bonus to have won won that um i've since gone back to the reggae marathon from straight from 2010 to 2019 obviously took off two years 2020 and 2021 was back again there this year always doing the half marathon um i've actually started as the social media manager in january of 2020 for the reggae marathon so that's just like an additional little 
you know, job perk that I do. So I do, I oversee their, you know, their Instagram, their Twitter, their Facebook, their LinkedIn pages. I do blogs on their website. Um, so I just do, you know, because I love running. Um, so I've been doing that now for three years. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, in a nutshell, I started running in 2010 and then, um, sorry, is my cat. Um, <laughs> and really haven't, haven't stopped much since then. Um, you know, other than a, sh you know, a few injuries here and there, I've pretty much been consistent with running, um, throughout, uh, the last 12 years. When is the reggae marathon? Or when is that? Race? It's always the first, it's the first weekend in December. Okay. So it's hot, but not as hot as maybe a summer, a summer race or later in spring race. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's still hot this, and actually this year for the first year that I can remember, it rained for a long period of time during the race, which felt wonderful. It rained for about 30 minutes. Um, which I think for me, it was between miles eight and 11. So it just felt <sighs> nice and refreshing to have rain when it's 80 degrees out. Absolutely. I mean, I live in Miami, so I'm like, I'm like, December's not as bad as July or August, but I know that it can also be either really hot still, like it can still feel comparatively hot mm -hmm. or not. How did you get into doing the social media for them? Um, so it just sort of happened, you know, before the race in 2019, they just put it out there. You know, they're looking for a new social media manager because the person who had been doing it for the last, you know, eight or 10 years, he decided to step down from it. Um, and so I just sort of like threw my hat into the ring, you know, it was, you know, it was, and I think part of it is, you know, I've been a long time participant. I have the unique story that when it was their 10th anniversary and they were at the New York city marathon, I won entry into it. Um, I've gone down there. I've made friends down there who I've now visited throughout the country to go visit doing different races in their home States. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's just, you know, my longevity with the race and my, you know, dedication and, you know, I've brought people down that friends have come down there with me um to participate yeah so I think it's just you know my the the amount of time and energy I've put into the you know going to Jamaica and doing this race yeah um, well and it's or it's kind of organic right that's who you would want promoting the race or talking about the race is someone who's actually experienced the race because you can speak yeah. from being that participant that is Really, really cool. So how was your experience this past December aside from the rain? So actually this year, because this was like the first year where I was actually doing the race as a social media manager, because, you know, when they started doing it, when I started, it was January of 2020 pre-pandemic. And then yeah. we did not have the race in 2020 or 2021. So this was the first year I had done it you know, with my actual job doing social, the social media. And I just kind of had fun with it. I didn't want to race it. I'd stop and take video of people running throughout the race or, you know, the, the 
people because it, it the marathon course loops the half marathon so i would stop and take video of the people who were leading the race um just you know any runners who looked like they were having a fun time at some point there was a beautiful rainbow so i stopped to take pictures of the mm-hmm. rainbow um so i just i you know i decided i'm just gonna have fun with it um enjoy the course a little differently the the last mile is considered the Bob Marley mile where they have like little clapboard signs with sayings from Bob Marley songs. So I'd stop and take pictures of those along the way. Um, you know, this way I could also use them throughout, you know, in social media posts throughout the year. Absolutely. That's so fun. So how did you get into run coaching? So I, you know, I've always been, like I started a long time ago, I used to be a girls on the run coat volunteer coach, which I loved doing. Um, I did that for five seasons and unfortunately because of job changes, I wasn't able to make the commitment to continue to do that. Um, but I, I've always been, you know, into teaching and, you know, that's, well, that's not my full-time job. I've in the past, I have been a teacher. I think that having, run been running consistently for 12 years I've run all over the country I've run many you know you know a couple like I said international races um and I think once you sort of establish yourself as a runner people come to you naturally for guidance and advice on oh should I do this or you know if they ever, if they ever ask me for shoe questions, I say, you need to go to a specialty running store where they can, like, that's one thing I can never, I would never, I would never want to tell someone to get, but I think just, you know, having been in the run community and, you know, gone to run with a lot of different groups and train with a lot of different people after a while, people start to come to you for questions about running. And I'm like, you know what, you know, I think this is something that, you know, I can look into to do run coaching. I mean, I know we're going to get to it later about my website, but I would love to full-time be run coach slash website administrator for my running website. Um, That would be in a perfect world, what I'd be doing full-time. Yeah. Listen, that's, it's, I had yesterday on my run and I feel like some of my best thinking happens when I run. I was thinking about like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is my running is my passion. And that's like, if I could just talk to people about running all the time, Mm -hmm. I'd be pretty, pretty happy because it's so great. So when did the run and race website, did that come before or after run coaching? That came before. So that's the idea behind run and race. And that's, you know, it's, it's a comprehensive running website right now. It's for New York city. I do have plans to expand it. I've started to do some research. Um, so I can do a website for Philly just because location wise, it's kind of easy for me to go there. And because I already made connections with doing do cheer squad list now, which is my new venture um because i've made some connections with some of the running crews out in philly you know i think that's going to be the natural next place where i go to to do you know run and race philly i think i'm going to try and like 
because officially I'm running race NYC LLC. I think I want to mm-hmm. try and drop the NYC and just be running race LLC. Um, yeah. That way I'm not tied down to one city. Uh, and then I can be like, then it could be like the different branches throughout the country and eventually the world. Um, just really tapping into the running culture in that particular city. You know, mm. the, like I said, the, the smaller running races, um, even the larger races, you know, putting it out there, you know, different run coaches, the running crews, when the running crews meet, um, routes that people could run in New York City. I have, you know, where the different tracks are located. Um, so that's really what I'd like to see. It And the website officially launched in 2018. I, the idea came in 2016. Um when I was out visiting a, or I had a friend who was getting married out in Phoenix, I was like, oh, it would be really nice to have, and she was a running friend and there were a bunch of runners who were there. I'm like, oh, it would have been really nice to like, you know, the morning of the wedding, go run a 5k race. And then I'm like, where would, where would I, you know, find this information? So then I was like, oh, you know, it would be beneficial if there was a running website for you know, these cities to have this information, you know, running stores that, you know, you forget your socks work. Can you go to get a pair of running socks? You know, you need body light or you need gels. Where do you need to go to get those? Um, you know, especially if you're there for a race, a big race weekend, it's one thing, but if you're just someplace visiting for a shorter period of time, you know, it's nice to know where those places are located just in case you do forget something. Um, you know, it's nice to know where our track is. Um, if you need to do speed work. So, you know, that's where the impetus for Run and Race NYC came from, was attending a wedding and wanting to run a 5K out in Phoenix, but never actually running a 5K out in Phoenix. I love that because I find that when I travel, I mean, I always take stuff with me so that I can do my runs. And that's always one of my questions of like, especially if it's over the weekend when it's like a long mm-hmm. run. That's one of the things I always wonder. I'm like, okay, I wonder who runs, where they run. If I, you know, I kind of, I know my city and my area. And even then I don't, I don't think I know my mm-hmm. city as well as maybe other people do. But I love that because it is so comprehensive and that is such a helpful tool for people who are either newer to running or like you said, new to a city, mm-hmm. but do thrive on running in community or connecting to the local running community. Mm-hmm. I was curious, how would you define New York City's running culture? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, th- I, other than wow, I think there, I think there's a space for everybody within New York City's running community you know there's there's running there's more you know i don't want to say the term elite but there's more like clubs um that are you know the members are you know 230 marathoners and they're going and they're doing you know they're representing you know they're making world teams and things like that but then you have everything from running groups and crews where everyone from a seven someone who runs a seven minute pace to someone who might be starting out and just wanting to get active and wants to walk um there 
I know there's crews that are specifically designed to cater for women, um, you know, just to give like, I don't want to say a judgment free zone, but to be in an area where you're supported by other women um, and where you can meet other women, especially for safety reasons. You know, if you meet people who are in your neighborhood and you want to, you don't want to run alone, you know, if you get together with a group of, you know, two or three other women to schedule a time when you want to do your long run or get up, you know, at, you know, 6am to do a run before the sun gets up. Um, so I think, I think the New York city running community is pretty inclusive. Um, I think, you know, there's always things that we can do a little more to make it better, more inclusive, but for the most part, I think there's going to be a space for everybody. How does it differ in comparison to Philly? So I'm still get like getting my bearings with Philly. Obviously there's not as many run crews. Um, I had a great time out there cheering, although it was freezing, cheering for the Philadelphia marathon this past year and meeting a couple people from di- the different run crews. Um, I will say they've been, as soon as I put it out there that I'm like, Oh, I think I want to do another city. Philly's like, come, come, come visit us. Come hang out with us. Uh, they put me on some of their email chains just to get information um, about, you know, running and in the city and so forth. Um, and like I said, because of the proximity to New York, it's, you know, it should be fairly easy if I wanted to just go out there for a weekend and, you know, run with the different crews and hang out with them and, you know, check out some good running routes. I, that's easy enough for me to do. Yeah, that is so cool because it's you're connecting the dots and even hearing you it's like okay you started running in 2010 in 2016 you had the inspiration for this in 2018 you put it out there and then you became a run coach so it's just such an immersion Mm -hmm. in the running community that I mean, I love it. I'm just like, this is so awesome. Again, like I I've said this before and I'm like, I wish I had something like that in Miami because I know that there's different running groups Mm -hmm. here and I feel like, and I'm sure you can agree, right. Where at least here in Miami, I feel like I get more of a feel for the local running community at the smaller races than I do with, Mm -hmm. for instance, the our big race here is the Miami marathon, Miami marathon and half marathon. That's actually in a few weeks. And that one, I mean, the city, Mm -hmm. I feel like the city comes alive, but it's from everywhere. Whereas like our Turkey trot or 5k races, it's just a, Mm -hmm. and even then a 5k race say, you know, for those people who are in Miami, they'll understand this where it's like a 5k race in tropical park, which is more inland versus a 5k race on the beach, it draws totally different communities and different Mm -hmm. run groups. So I love that you're just kind of trying to bridge all these gaps, because I find that most people who want to get into running, one of the things that stops them is not really knowing where they fit in and like which community will be the most supportive for them. Do you coach mostly in person or do you do virtual as well? Um, so to be transparent, I've, you know, I just started coaching not too long ago. It has, 
you know, I would do some in-person training, like at the track, um, just, you know, just to get an idea, like do mile time trials. Um, so it's primary, but it's primarily done virtually, but it's people who I see on a regular basis. Uh, you know, if I, if I, in the future, I would love to be able to host track sessions and, you know, put together long runs where, you know, support, especially when, here in New York, you know, before the New York city marathon, being able to do some, you know, supported long runs. Um, that being said, I don't want to step on toes of people who have already laid the groundwork because there's already some phenomenal running coaches here who are doing thing things like that. Um, but once again, like I, I feel there's a niche for everybody and, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking to coach the runner that was like me, who was never really a runner, decided to go to Jamaica and run a race and then just start running and see where that goes, you know, because that's, if I, the more and more I'm running, I've been running, the more and more I've been meeting people who are like that, um, you know, someone who just, you know, whether they saw a friend do a race, so they're like, I want to do a race or, you know, they they watch the New York City Marathon from their apartment. They're like, hey, I could do that, too, and just um, go from there. Yeah, that's like the uh, what, what do I call them? Not everyday runner. It's like everyday runner, recreational runner. And that's something I try to tell people all the time, too, where it's like most people mm -hmm. start running later in life. Most people. Yes, they were not runners beforehand. And I also love that you pointed out where it's like finding your niche, right? Like finding your group of people because yes, the foundation is there, but hopefully the foundation that has been set is a foundation that is open for everyone to use because there are mm -hmm. enough runners. There's enough people. There's a coach for every runner and a runner for every coach. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like, yes, we all approach running differently. So as a coach, how do you approach running with the people that you've trained with the person that would be your ideal athlete? Um, well, obviously, I want to find someone who's committed to the process. I think, you know, training, especially training for a marathon, take sacrifices you're you may have to give up your friday happy hours you're definitely gonna have to give it up sleeping in on weekends unless unless you want to train in august at noontime which is not desirable um you know so it's really having someone understand that making a commitment to a marathon is going to take sacrifices um i think that's the number one thing i also want my number one philosophy that I tell everyone, regardless of whether I'm coaching them or not, if this is your first race, your only goal is to finish and feel good. I don't take time goals off the table. I also would like you to say, I don't, if you say you never want to run another marathon again, that's okay. I just don't want you to finish that marathon and say, you never want to run again. You know, then I feel like I haven't done my job as a coach because I, I haven't made the experience enjoyable, um, pleasurable. I mean, obviously there are going to be times where, you know, and I, when I've been coached, I've 
was like cursing my coach out when I'm <laughs> doing hill, hill repeats. And I'm like, I don't want to do hill repeats, but I know this is what's going to make me a stronger runner. Um, but you know, I want, I want all runners to finish the race and still want to run, even if they never want to run. It's okay. Cause some people are one and done with marathons and that's fine. Yeah, there is definitely, I think of that for myself too, where it's the question I always come back to is how can I train in a way that not only allows me, but makes me want to keep running. And that is Mm -hmm. deeply personal. Like what works for me may not work for you or may be different for someone else. How do you figure that out for the athletes that you're working with? Like, how do you figure out what needs to be done or not done so that they do run and finish feeling strong or find joy in the process of running or the process of training for something like a marathon? Yeah. I think it's really understanding the why. And I, you know, I've, that's not a concept that's new for me. I've heard other people say, you know, like, what's your why? What's your why for running? Um, Is it to overcome the fear of saying, you know, being told, oh, you can never run a marathon? Or is it like, you know, someone who may have never been a runner, never been an athlete, really wanted to challenge themselves and say, you know, I want to push myself, try something new and complete a marathon. Um, so I think it's really understanding what your why is when you're training. Yeah, that's something I always, with anybody that I work with, that's always one of the first things that we talk about beyond the, what's your goal? It's the why behind that goal and trying to figure out, uh, you know, if the goal is achieved do you meet that why? If the goal is not achieved, how do we rebound from that? Because I find particularly when the distances get mm-hmm. longer, it sometimes it's harder to keep track of connecting to the why, right? Like, like you said, on those hill repeats, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about, oh, I love running so much. You're thinking about when is this going to be done? Why are we doing this, right? Like like you get kind of get started in this storytelling in your brain. So I love that understanding the why. How do you help people figure that out? Because I find that sometimes people want to do it and they Mm -hmm. say they want it for, for a certain reason. But then like throughout the process, you're like, no, I actually think you want this for something else. Is that something that comes up or do you see transformation in the people you work with? Or have you even experienced that yourself of like this why kind of changing or the why being something that's a little bit clearer for you as pro- as training progresses? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I so my, my, my background is in social work. So I've studied like human behavior extensively and I I mean I I love you know reading body language and you know just kind of understanding you know when you're with someone and they're doing their 800 you know repeats on the track and you know going around a track can be boring for some 
um, you know, really, really tapping into like reading them, reading, you know, the facial expressions, the body language, how do they feel, you know, are they, when they're doing like their 400 mile or their 400, you know, meter recovery, are they dogging it or are they really taking, you know, cause they don't want to be there. Um, yeah. Or are they really pushing themselves, you know, as much as they should be for the recovery run? Are they, you know, still doing that at like a decent pace? Um, so I think it's really understanding the person you're coaching beyond who they are as a runner as well. You know, did they just start a new job? Because that creates a whole lot of stressors right there. You know, are they are they moving um, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, when I'm designing a plan for someone, I'm really doing my best to fit it in their lifestyle. If someone says that they could truly only commit to three days of running a week and two days of cross training activities, you know, that's, that's what I would have to do. Cause I want this, once again, I want this experience to be enjoyable. And if that's what someone can give to me, that's what I, as the coach, will do for them. Yeah, and you bring up an important part that coaches are, I feel like coaches sometimes are like magicians where you can adapt to the life of the athlete and mm -hmm. truly make magic with what they have available because training someone, training that person who can only run three days a week is going to look different than training that person who can run six days a week, right? Like there, yeah. there is a difference in that training. So how do you work or how do you come about mm -hmm. making your training plans for people? So say you have that athlete that can only run three days a week, and then you have that athlete that can run six days a week. How would your approach to training change or does it change based on number of days a person can run yeah well I think you know one of the things I try to look at is what's the time on feet they can commit to Ooh. um because I think that's important too you know if because once again if someone says oh well I can only do a long run that's going to be an hour on a weekend then then the conversation has to come up is this really the right time for you to be committing to training training for a marathon um, you know, if I'm training someone who, you know, their first marathon, they're looking, they're looking just to finish maybe six and a half, seven hours, you know, having the conversation about a long run being time on feet versus mileage, you know, I'm not going to give you more than three and a half hours for a long run. Cause it's time on feet. And I, you know, I found articles and shared that with, with runners just so, cause they're like, Oh, but if I don't hit my 20 miles, how am I going to know what it's like to hit the wall? And, you know, <laughs> that's when a lot of, that's when a lot of training just is mental. The training just becomes mental. So, you know, it's really, it's also educate. It is also educating the runner about things like that, you know, and, I don't care if you want to finish a marathon in three hours. I don't care if you want to finish a marathon in seven hours. I want you to finish it and feel good. And we'll work the training plan together to fit your life and how you can best, you know, get, reach your, achieve your goal. 
I love that because again, when we're talking about people who are recreational runners, everyday runners, I don't know what the accurate term is for that. But when we're talking about mm -hmm. that runner, ultimately, yeah, the, the running has to fit in to your life. Like it's not, none of us, mm -hmm. most of us are not pro runners. This isn't, we don't, you know, live our lives around the run. I'm curious because you had mentioned that when you have that runner that comes to you and is like, wait, but I've read that I need to do the 20 miles. And I like, I have to do, I have to know what it's like to hit the wall because I feel like social media is wonderful and it's great. The internet is great as well, but sometimes there's so much information out there that people don't mm -hmm. know how to properly use that information or they see so many other people doing certain things and then they think they have to do it as well in order to like keep up with the path mm -hmm. or do the correct training. So how do you handle those conversations with like, again, say that athlete comes to you and is like, Carrie, no, like I need to hit that 20 miler, even if it takes me four and a half hours to do what, what is that conversation like between you and the athlete? I think it's, you know, to, you know, providing the information about why time on feet is important, but also maybe looking at, okay, so maybe on a, on a Saturday, you're doing your long run on Sunday. I still want, maybe I'm not asking you to run, but I want you to walk for 45 minutes. So you're getting, and I wanted it to, you know, early in the morning still where you're still, you know, your body hasn't, you know, gotten back to its recovered state yet. So I want, you know, you're kind of doing, you know, we'll say maybe a walk at like a 15, 16 minute pace. So you're still doing it at a good, a good clip. Um, just, you know, looking at the cumulative time on feet for a weekend is something that, you know, I've talked about just, you know, even though it's, you know, yes, I know you're not doing your 20 miles, but you know, if your long run is going to be 16 miles on Saturday, and then I want you to, you know, do walk three miles on Sunday morning, just because you're still going to be tired. You're still going to be tired if you've been, you know, run for three, three and a half hours the day before. Um, and just really, you know, providing the guidance and, you know, I, you know, I, I have friends who have been in similar situations and they've shared their stories about, you know, you know, sometimes it is about time on feet. It's not always about distance. Um, and just being, you know, mindful of, you know, trust, trust your training, trust, trust your coach. You know, I'm not pulling this stuff out of a hat. Like this is stuff that, you know, many people, some people only train, by time on feet some people you know because people a lot of people train differently you know what some people train by heart rate and it's it's going to be different for everybody so understand that the, your coach has your best interest in your training plan yeah i mean your coach is just as invested in your training as you are right like your coach really does want to <laughs> see you succeed as much as as you want to succeed. So on the flip side, another challenging situation that you had mentioned. So say you do have a runner who they really want to run a marathon and that's really what they want to do. But then they're telling you, 
no, I can only do like 90 minutes, an hour to 90 minutes of a long run. How do you have that discussion with them? Because I feel like, again, sometimes people, they want something, but they don't. And kind of going back to what you said earlier with particularly the marathon, the sacrifices you have to make in order to accomplish Mm -hmm. that goal. So what does that conversation look like for you? Or what has it looked like for you of someone who's like, yeah, I really want to do this, but they're giving you all these constraints on time that clue you Mm -hmm. in that like, okay, maybe this isn't the time. How does that conversation go? Well, luckily I haven't had to have that conversation yet, but I, you know, I read, you know, on on different, whether it's Facebook forums or other things like that, you know, other coaches saying, you know, this is, you know, I have a, I have a client who yet, you know, A, B, C, D, and E, E, F, and G. And I, you know, I, I always play those scenarios out in my head. Like, you know, if this was my client, how would I respond? Cause I think it's important because at some point, most coaches are going to come across someone who who has those limitations to their schedule um i think if you know flat out saying you know are you able to minimally commit to four to five days of both running slash you know cross training a week you know with two to three hours on a for a long run on a weekend um and if the answer is no i think you know, really say, have a frank conversation. And maybe this is where social work skills come in handy because, you know, we're, we're capable of, you know, having those uncomfortable conversations with people, but say, you know, maybe this is not the best time, you know, marathons are, marathons will always be here. There will always be another marathon to run. Maybe this isn't the best time for you to be doing this marathon. Yeah. I love that because I think we runners, and when I say we, I truly include myself in it. We feel like the next race is the last race. Like there's almost like this sense of urgency with it when it's like, no, like there's going to be more runs. There will be other races. And I know for me, Mm -hmm. oftentimes it comes from, again, like bringing up social media, right? Where it's like, I see so many people doing the race that I'm like, wait, I have to do it. Like everyone's doing it that I don't even think about like, oh, but maybe next year would be better. Or maybe if I do it, my goal has to be something different so that it can fit within my life versus me trying to cram it into my life. And I love that you bring up like that social work experience because I find that Sometimes you really do have to have those difficult conversations where the person may not like what you have to say, right? Like they may, they may hear what you have to say and they're not liking it. And I guess the question I have, because part of that is, is getting people to buy into trusting, trusting the process and trusting you Mm -hmm. as a coach So do you ever have that discussion with athletes of like the importance of trust in this coach athlete relationship? Yeah, I think, I think, yes, it's, 
it's just like any relationship you have to have trust you know and it has to go both ways I have to trust that my athlete is going to tell me you know things that are going well don't sugarcoat things if you did if you did a speed workout and you know our dad our data can tell us but so much it's not going to tell me how you felt um you know it's not going to tell me that after doing you know 200 meter sprints that you threw up at the end like things like that so it's like you know the trust is a two-way relationship in which I I have to trust that they're going to be honest with me about how they're feeling at the end of a workout, um, you know, phys- both physically, mentally. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's what's important because, yeah, I mean, I, I could look at someone's Strava. I could look at someone, all their, all their data that they, they've accumulated and, you know, that's not, that's not going to tell the whole story. No. And that's the thing that I get. I always laugh because I say it and I've said it before where it's like us runners, we love the data. We love looking at the numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, the pace, the cadence, the heart rate. We love all of that. And yet what's really going to, I feel like, and I don't know if it's just because I've been running for so long where I realized that that data is helpful, but what's actually going to determine whether I'm growing as a runner is the feeling, is the like, mm-hmm. how did this run feel? Like even this morning, I I had a run and it was like aerobic, aerobic and strides, right? Like that was the, that was the workout. Mm-hmm. And afterwards I'm like, Okay, that felt I felt strong, but I felt sloppy, right? Like, and I'm like, that's gonna give me more information than seeing the paces that I hit or seeing the cadence, because then I can kind of think about like, all right, so what contributed to that that sloppy feeling? There's more there that I can uncover about myself as a runner than again just seeing like, oh, I did the mile in X amount of time or I did the the sprinting part in X amount of time. And so I love that you talk about that because my curiosity now lies in like, how do you get the athlete to see beyond the data? Mm-hmm. And once again, that's another thing that's hard because going back to like the social media, you, you can see all that when people are posting it, but you aren't necessarily going to see the runner who collapsed at the end of their run because they gave it their all. You're not going to see the runner who, you know, may, may have there, everything clicked and it was a flawless run. And, you know, you're, you're not going to see that all the time when looking at social media or the data, um, running, running is very much a feeling sport and, it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, we're just going to have to, you have, once again, it goes back to that trust thing that you have to trust that your coach is not one, not comparing you to other runners is really designing a plan that's meant for you. Yeah. And you just brought up something that I hadn't, that I don't think I've talked about, or I don't think we've touched upon in these conversations too, of 
checking in with your coach and making sure that your coach is coaching you and not comparing you to other runners, because that is very much, you know, I always look over here because this is where I have my bookshelf with all my running books and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you can create a pretty generic plan for just about anybody. But when you're coaching the individual, Mm -hmm. there's more personalized touches that go to that. So even for yourself, how do you remind yourself to coach the individual athlete and not just like, oh, here's a, here's a plan. Like how, how do you keep yourself in check and honoring the uniqueness of the athlete you're working with? I think that goes back to when I was previously coached. Like I know my coach, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've taken classes, but you know, a few years back, I did private coaching, uh, for the Chicago marathon in 2018, where I know an, another runner who my coach was also training was running the Chicago marathon in 2018. But, you know, after, after the fact I, you know, and this was before I was a coach, I was talking with him. I said, you know, how did, how did you differentiate what you were doing now? And she was much faster than I was. So he, he, he really said like, he looked at where our strengths were played to our strengths in our training, you know, knowing that Chicago is a flat course, I struggle with hills. I had to do hill workouts, but not to an extent where if I was training for a very hilly, hilly race. Um, So it's really playing to the person's strengths. You know, he, you know, previously when I'd get injured doing speed work, he had me taper off speed work earlier than he had this other runner taper their speed work as it came closer to the race day. So I think, you know, it's my own lived experience and seeing that with my own coach. And it's also a reminder of the lived relationship, right? Like the relationship between athlete and coach it is a living thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the coach can only do so much and the runner can only give so much kind of thing. So here it's like, you're talking mm-hmm. about you communicating with your coach and then your coach kind of adapting in response to those communications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important. What other elements or characteristics would you say are important to the runner coach app, like runner coach relationship? Well, like I said, first and foremost is trust. I think, you know, the ability to have, have, have faith in one another, have faith that your runner is going to follow through on what's being given, um, have faith that your coach has your best interest at heart. You know, there's not going to be a single coach that says, you know, they're, they're, they're invested in the process as much as the athlete. Um, and I think that that's important for both parties to understand, you know, it's, this is not, this is not just a job for many coaches. They're doing this because this is something they're passionate about. 
I know many are and many are very fortunate to be able to make this into job like full-time jobs, but for a lot of coaches, they're doing this because they love running. They want to share their love of running with other people. Yeah, I mean, there's to be a coach is such a special that truly is a special relationship in a person's life. And, you know, like you, you briefly touched upon it where it's the coach is not just giving you a plan, but is giving you a plan that's reflective of your life. And I have found that sometimes the coach (laughs) is someone who knows things that other people in the family or in the normal support network might not know. So like, for instance, it's, You as the coach may find out that one of your athletes is pregnant before anybody else finds out. Like there is definitely a very special Mm -hmm. relationship there that is part of the reason why I'm having these conversations because I want people to realize that this is a relationship that requires work and it's a relationship Mm -hmm. where you have someone who's just as invested in your running and in your performance and in your experience as you are, because I find, and I mean, you can tell me for yourself if this is your experience, whereas like I'm the runner in my household and for the most part in my family, no one else runs, no one else Mm -hmm. cares about it. No one else is like, like, it's just, they don't care. Like they, yeah, mommy runs marathons or half marathons and all this stuff. But like, if I were to sit and talk to them about running Mm -hmm. and how everything went, like their eyes would glaze over. Whereas my coach is someone who like, she wants all those details. And it's someone who Mm -hmm. can really show that excitement for me when other people in the Mm -hmm. family or other people in my support network are not as excited for me. So I'm curious for you as a coach, what has been the most beneficial thing you've gotten out of coaching, like for you personally, out of coaching people? Uh, I think it's knowing that a goal that we set out with, you know, 12, 16 weeks ahead of time has been accomplished. You know, first goal, always finish and feel good. I want, I want, I think that should be, I think that should be true of everybody. If you don't, if you're not going to finish and feel good, you know, is is this what you want to be doing? You, you know, I think I always say with runners, you have to understand not every race is also going to be a PR. That's another thing that I, you know, and I that was a lesson I learned early on. I did my first half marathon. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'm, you know, then I went down to that was Hartford, and then I went down to Jamaica. And I'm like, oh, I want to do better, and then I didn't do better. And then I actually, my next half marathon was the Miami half marathon. And that was even worse because I was coming off an injury, but I was like, I was like, I was going in the reverse direction of how I wanted to go. And then I had to make the decision, like, do I want to continue running? And I'm like, I do. So I think it's understanding that. And that's also sharing that information, you know, with, with the people you're training and coaching, not every race is going to be a PR and absolutely positively do not ever compare yourself to any other runner ever and I know that especially now that was hard 
you know, when I first started running, when social media wasn't is what it is today. But now when I look at other runners, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of tuning that out and saying, you know, maybe, maybe they sleep, maybe they sleep through the night and I don't, you never know. So you can never compare yourself, you know, even if your race times 90% of the time are always the same, that 10% of the time, you're just going to have that in your head, like comparing myself, comparing myself to them, but do not ever compare yourself to another runner. I appreciate that so much. And I wish we had like a, like a, I don't know, one of those big microphones so that we can have you really like blast Mm -hmm. that particular message everywhere because I'm similar. I started running in 2012 and it was very much like social media was not what it was. Like it was Mm -hmm. running was just really exciting. I had no clue what I was doing. I learned because of people I ran with in person. Like that's how I learned a lot Mm -hmm. because of the people that I met and that I ran with weekly. Now I'm like, oh, you can learn from people on the internet and it's great. But then it's like, how are we vetting these sources? Like, what do we really know? And to a Mm -hmm. point that you made where it's like on social media, you're only, you're getting a snapshot. And even then it's usually like a very curated Mm -hmm. snapshot of what's going on. And I know for myself as well, I've had to, whenever I start going down the comparison train, I literally have to take off. For me, the biggest one is always like, I, there's two, there's two things that I ask myself to get myself to stop comparing, which is one is how old is that person? And then how old am I? Because I can't compare myself Mm -hmm. to someone who's 20 something years old when I'm almost 40, like yeah. there, that's a really big gap. And then the second one is, do they have kids? Cause again, I can't compare myself to someone who doesn't have kids because that's a totally different lived experience. So I really do wish we had like a megaphone. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I wish we had a megaphone microphone right now so that everyone can hear mm-hmm. your message of like, <laughs> don't compare yourself because it's, the minute you start comparing yourself is the minute that you've stepped out of your own training and you're no longer mm-hmm. doing what works for you. Like that's just it. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Oh, if, you're welcome. Yeah. If, okay. So if an athlete is interested in working with you, what is that process like? How do they get in contact with you? Is there a consultation? Is there an intake form? What is that initial conversation like? And how do you determine whether someone is a good fit for you and whether you're a good fit for them? Well, you know, I always want to have an initial phone call with someone or, you know, meet in person if that's possible. Just, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Let let me get to know you. Let me get to know about your running goals. Let me get to know about your running history. What are you able to commit to for this training cycle um and that's really where i would see if if we can make make it a good working relationship um because you know you you want to you want to hire a coach who is going to really be there for you um you shouldn't you know those like like you said you could just buy a training plan off the internet but that's not going to be 
design for you. Um, so I really want to make sure I design a plan to fit the needs and the life of the person I'm coaching. Um, so after having that initial conversation, you know, looking to see if that in fact is something that we can come to an agreement about, then, you know, we can look to, you know, how many weeks do we have before the race? What kind, you know, have you been running for a long time? Because if you've been running for years and you've already got a base of 15 to 20 miles a week, you know, you're not necessarily going to need a 20 week training plan. Maybe we could start you already at a 16 week training plan. Um, just, you know, once again, fitting your lifestyle, you know, are you a brand new runner? If you're a brand new runner, then I'm going to say, yes, we really need a 20 week training plan for a marathon. Um, just because it's going to take some time to build up that, you know, the base mileage of 10 to 15 miles a week before we start getting into long, you know, double digit long runs. Um, so it's looking at, you know, the, the time, you know, what, what's the goal race and where, where are we at in terms of the time for that? And, you know, we can go from there and, you know, it's also, there's people who, and I haven't done this yet, but I would like to just there's people who pay for coaches just kind of ongoing just to help maintain that level of fitness. That way, if a half marathon does come up that they want to run, they're, they're already trained for that race. You know, maybe a marathon might be a little different because not everyone's going out casually and running 20 to 24 miles on weekends. But, you know, you can find enough casual runners who may be already at, you know, I, running 10 miles for their long runs on weekends, weekends, even if they're not signed up for a race. I myself say, I always want to be half marathon ready. So I will always, if a half marathon comes up that I want to do, I'm pretty much, you know, maintaining a 10 mile long run on weekends. Yeah. See, I'm smiling like a fool right now because I'm like, yes, you're me. You're me and I'm you because that's totally, I've always said it. I'm like, I just want to be in half marathon shape, not necessarily yes. half marathon PR shape, but mm -hmm. the, if there's a half marathon this weekend, that looks like a lot of fun. I want to feel like, all right, I'm trained enough that I can go do that race. So I, mm -hmm. I love that because it's also just, and this is something that I'm, I'm realizing as a theme in these conversations with all the coaches and you even mentioned it now where it's like, I find that, that the true benefit of a coach is beyond the race training cycle where you really get that mm -hmm. support is in between, right? Like keeping that person mm -hmm. in the habit of running in their fitness for whatever race, because I think that also gives you as a runner more information as to who you are as a runner and how you adapt to running throughout the different seasons of mm -hmm. the year. And it also as a coach, it gives you a lot of information of like, all right, so this is the runner when they're very focused on a goal. This is the runner when we're just maintaining. This is a runner when we're building back up. This is a runner when we're coming down just gives you a more holistic yeah. view of who the athlete is. When you do your training plans and you give that information to your athletes, 
Are you giving it to them week by week, every two weeks, every month? What's that process like for you in terms of getting the workouts out to your athletes? I, I try and do it two weeks in advance um, with the understanding that they're fluid. I want, you know, if, if, if someone is just beaten up by a workout one night and I have, you know, I might nix the run the next day and say, once again, either do some cross training, go for a bike ride, you know, go for a walk, something where you're still remaining active. But once again, I don't want this process to be miserable for the runners. And I know, you know, sometimes, sometimes a workout can take a lot out of us. Um, so I, I do it about two weeks out with the understanding that it can be fluid and change more so depending on how a workout might go or if some, you know, something comes up, um, you know, once again, people have lives, people go to weddings, people, people travel for work, people travel for pleasure. People have kids who have soccer games on weekends. And so it's really, you know, trying, trying your best, you know, is your kid's soccer game 90 minutes? Can you run around for 90 minutes while they're at the soccer game? You know, think, try, trying, trying your best to really fit their lifestyle into a training plan. I love that because that is definitely the message you have been sharing with us this entire time of the training has mm -hmm. to fit the lifestyle. The training has to fit the lifestyle. Yes. If you are going to commit the time and the effort, it has to make sense with the lifestyle. And that's another thing that I wish we had that megaphone to give you so that people can be like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. Because I always say like, and, I, and it comes up more in particular with marathons, especially because we are, we're definitely seeing more and more people are doing marathons. I mean, you know, you've got the majors, they're, they're getting more and more people. And, you know, you're in New York city, the acceptance rate for the New York city marathon is like so minimal. And yet the application rate, it mm -hmm. keeps going up each year. And yeah. I try to tell people whenever, you know, like I talk to them and I ask them, you know, what are your racing plans? What's going on? I always ask not so much like, okay, beyond, you know, once we get to the why of the matter, there's always questions as to like, okay, so what's going on in your life? Like, that's great that you say that you want to run uh -huh. five days a week, but is your life actually set up in a way where you can do that? Like, have we, before we uh -huh. commit to the goal, can we take a moment to stop and think about, oh, are the structures in my life set up so that I can actually accomplish this because if not, and I'm sure you've uh -huh. experienced this or you've seen it where it's like, you really want to go for that run, but life happens, things happen. And then you get angry that you can't do the run or you get frustrated or like in my case, it's happened where it's like, I really need to get this run done, but I have no one to watch my kids. And then I get grumpy with my husband because he couldn't watch the kids. And it's uh -huh. like, but wait, that's no one's fault. Like this is just life. So I think it's, there's always an opportunity. Yeah. I find that that's like one of the more important parts of, of a coach is helping you sift through the desire to do the thing 
so that you can figure out, okay, what mm-hmm. do I have already in place that's going to allow me to do the thing without causing any more stress or tension in my life? Because I think that's like a, mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like people sometimes miss when they're thinking about training for these, training for these big races. Mm-hmm. So, yes. All right. Final question. And I'm always so interested okay. in what you have to say about why well, I'm just, this is my favorite question and you already kind of touched upon it earlier, but I'm kind of curious what your answer is going to be is how can we make running more accessible and how can we make it more inclusive? Okay. Um, well, I think, you know, making it accessible that's one of the reasons why I started the website was to make the information accessible to everywhere. I would love to be able to have it as an app in addition to a website and the Instagram page that it is. I want everyone who wants to be able to find a group to run with to be able to just easily ex- like be able to access that information. Um, I think to make it inclusive, I think, and and this maybe touches on other aspects of my life where, you know, like I've worked, I've worked with people with disabilities who want to run and, and, and maybe, you know, it's reaching out. Like if, if you're a running crew or a group reaching out to agencies that support people mm-hmm. with disabilities to see if there's a need or a desire um to see if even if or even if it's just walking inviting them to be a part of your walking group um because i you know people with disabilities are traditionally underrepresented and underserved in many many areas um but i think that's just another way we can make it both more you know more inclusive for everyone um i i do like the idea of some women only running groups which i know we definitely have in new york city um and i know there's others that are in located located you know some of them have chapters throughout throughout the country um that are specifically designed with women in mind also because like you said women come with the addition not that you know women women are parents and whereas you know sometimes there's a partner but sometimes there's not always a partner and how are some of these groups creating environments for, you know, maybe parents who don't have that person to watch their children, um, things along those lines. I mean, there's a million different ways running can be inclusive. Um, and those are just, just a few. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's, (laughs) it seems so obvious after you said it was like the reaching out to the agencies and I'm like, Oh yeah, duh. Like you could have done that. Like, and I think that's part of part of the thing that keeps us stuck sometimes when it comes to making running more accessible and inclusive is that we think it's complicated. Right. Or that like, mm-hmm. it, it's like a difficult problem to solve when really it's just creating the opportunities for people to show up, whether it's reaching out to an agency or having the run in a place where um, I think of here in Miami, like we 
when we do a run club, my friend and myself, it's we're in a park. We're in a park where it's like a third of a mile is the loop. And we always tell people like, come with your kids. Like there's going to be some of us that are walking. They can ride the bike with you. It is a closed loop in an enclosed park. So it's mm -hmm. not like we're running out into the city or we're doing anything. We're actually yeah. in a very contained area. And I think that's part of it too, where it's like, how do we mm -hmm. have these things in areas that do feel accessible to people or that, you know, me as the mom, I can feel comfortable going with my kids. And still like then I, it's a two for one, one, I get to go and walk and work yeah. out or whatever the case is. And then my kids get to come with me. So I don't feel like I have to choose because oftentimes if I do have to choose, it's, I'm going to choose my kids over some, over whatever the activity is. So yeah. I, I love that you said that. Before I let you go today, please tell us how we can support you, where we can find out more information, and if you have anything exciting coming up that we should know about. Okay, so my personal idea, if you want to follow my more personal running journey, although it's a combo, you know, running, travel, life, IG is, it's Kibu78. Um, my coaching Instagram can be found at it's run dot the dot tangents. Um, because I think that's something coaches also need to educate their athletes on is running the tangents, but and how important that is and not getting upset when your watch reads 26.5 at the end of a marathon and not 26.2. Yeah. Um, so that's my coaching Instagram page. I also, like I was talking earlier, have the run and race NYC Instagram, which is R U N N R A C E N Y C. That's and it also the website is the same. It's www.runandracenyc.com. Um, I have recently started, and this is something, you know, that I am excited about after I did I, you know, I started obviously with these cheer squad lists for the New York city marathon in 2019. I started them up again for the New York city marathon in 2021. And then, you know, started doing more races last year. I did branch out and I did one for Philly. I did a cheer squad list, you know, for Chicago. And that was just sort of me Googling cheers or running crews in Chicago, running crews in Philly, finding their Instagram, um, so I now have a run and race cheer squad page on Instagram that I'm following where that'll be solely until I'm able to have like individual pages for every city, which, like I said, is my ultimate goal. Um, I will be able, you know, this is where that information will be found where people can reach out and find information about different cheer squads. I think, you know, if you've been in a city long enough and you run with a different you know, a fair amount, different crews and so forth. It's nice to know where, you know, different run crews are going to be along the course, especially in a marathon, especially, you know, mile 18, 22, 26, 26, you know, knowing who, what friendly faces you're going to see at that time. Um, and I, the plan is to, I already have already reached out to some running crews in Miami to put together a list for the Miami marathon. That'll be in a few weeks. Next, first up, I've got Houston, which is in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm also looking to really partner 
with the races. I have partnered with New York Roadrunners um, for the last couple for both like the Bronx 10 miler and the New York City Marathon. So, you know, really looking to partner with the race organization itself on, you know, because their following is much greater than mine, but really having them help me, you know, I'm doing the work, but having them help me spread the word of what I'm doing. Um, so like I tell everyone, you know, I appreciate every like, share and follow that I get for any of my pages. Any races coming up? So I don't, I will be doing a marathon this spring. I have yet to <laughs> determine which one it is. I was rejected from Boston as a charity, London twice. Um, so I'm still trying to determine which race I want to do. Okay. But I, like I said, because I've done a bunch, I am, I am working my way through this 50 states. So I've, I've still got about, you know, 30, 30 plus states to choose from. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, the goal is there. Now yes. it's just finding out which piece fits in the puzzle. So Carrie, exactly. thank you so much for being on the podcast and for chatting with me today. I loved learning more about you and just your reminders that our running has to fit in our lives and our running is deeply personal <laughs> to each of us. Comparing ourselves to someone else is not yes. going to get us anywhere. So thank you for those two wonderful reminders and any final words? No, I just want to thank, thank you for giving me this opportunity to share both my running story and, you know, the things I'm trying to do within the running industry. Um, so I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. I love that. Well, everyone, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me today as I chatted with Carrie. We'll see you all real soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. From winning a race entry to a race in Jamaica, to creating a resource to connect various dots within the running community, to becoming a run coach herself, Carrie's running story is a true love story to the sport of running. I loved how Carrie talked about the importance of a person's training fitting their lifestyle throughout the episode and appreciated her messaging on the importance of not comparing yourself to other runners. No one has your life and no one runs like you. So instead of falling into the comparison trap, spend more time celebrating your unique self. When you have trouble doing this, then seek out a coach like Carrie who will be in your corner reminding you to run in a way that works for you and leaves you feeling good. For more on Carrie Ann, follow her on Instagram at kboost78, runandracenyc, and run.the.tangents. You can also check out her website at runandracenyc.com. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at The Cookie Runner. Check out my website at thecookierunner.net and support season two of the podcast over at anchor.fm slash runners roundtable. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.